0: Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. Uh, we are reflecting today on the episode on episode twelve with my dad, Kirk Harvell of Kirk Fitness Systems, of which he talked a lot about fitness training. <laughs> he kind of really uh, like we would we would go into a topic and then he really like brought it always, always back to, always back to, uh, personal fitness training. But, uh, and that I think just shows how, how much he cares about that, how much he cares about helping people be fit physically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. His passion around that was inspiring. Uh, you mm-hmm. can I mean, feel the energy, uh, and he likes talking about that and he helps other people Uh, And that's where he gets his motivation and his strength, it it felt like and sounded like. Uh, There were examples of him going in there and talking about how he coaches and helps others uh, that I think apply to other areas as well. So that was a takeaway for me as I heard him talking about strength and self-strength and what it takes to change and be invested and how he can tell and coach that.
2: Mm -hmm. how you might apply
1: that both to strength training or to education or to whatever it is that is hard or difficult or you want to change Mm -hmm. we had a conversation on the way up about what is it and when is it when does that change when Mm -hmm. does that uh flip uh, the switch flip uh, and it It depends and it's unique, but it gets me thinking about, okay, what's the environment that that has to be around you to help you, to enable you, to empower you.
0: Yeah. 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 I think that's a good point. Um, He talks about the question of why are you here? Um, In terms of when he's talking to, when he's, when he's, when he has a client, he wants to know how, vested they are in their own personal fitness journey and that emotional piece, maybe that's it. That emotional piece is, is what is going to keep them going. That not just, I want to lose such and such amount or I want to have big, strong muscles. Right. But like, no, I was out of breath trying to keep up with, I think he, the example that he used was like walking with my cousin or something. I was out of breath trying to keep up. Like those emotional moments that are like, oh, maybe I should do something different are what he observes as moments where real change can happen.
1: Yep. Um, and, and how he coaches and trains based on that and how he says, come back when you're ready I know it's not going to be successful until you get to a place uh, where it's the intrinsic internal uh, motivator and not because somebody told you to be here or uh, or do you believe it? Do you want it? Uh, How can we coach you to a place that when you're ready, you're ready to go. And uh, his skills uh, as a motivator and communicator and storyteller uh, were things that stuck out for me
0: yeah um he talks about eliminating can't i think i wrote eliminate can't but he talks about can't that he he doesn't let people use the word can't or if they do use it he flips that around and he believes enough in people to get them to believe in themselves Um, and then I thought the piece about, I mean, of course, me being his daughter of nearly 40 years, um, I know some about my own grandma and grandpa, but to be able to hear him talk about his takeaways from his parents and how, His mom really instilled into him this care for his environment and for people. And his dad instilled in him this uh, courage or this idea of being courageous and not being afraid to try things. I thought was really, um, it was just really cool to hear his perspective on what he what he has taken from his his experience as a as a kid
1: yeah, uh, the quote was uh, uh, my dad taught me how to be a man uh, taught me about masculinity or at least his definition of masculinity and my mom taught me how to be a human yeah um, and how he used different takeaways from that and he talks about you know, the team of adults in his life, uh, mm-hmm. model and takeaways from the positive influence uh, that he had—parents, uh, grandparents, uh, older family, friends, uh, and mentors—and the influence that that played on him. Uh, yeah, it felt like he was saying thank you, uh, and, and talking yeah. about kind of those experiences and how. You know, that was a question like, how, 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 how did you learn about that? How did you learn to care? How did you experience that
0: talking
1: mm-hmm. about, uh, consistently in his life growing up?
0: Yeah. Yeah, care, concern, and responsibility. Um, discomfort versus pain and how that, yeah. uh, go ahead.
1: He's an emotional, empathetic man.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: it, it felt that, right? Like he let us in on some of that and, and, um, it was likely in a emotional discussion, both for you and for him. It was for me as well. Um, and it was meaningful. Yeah. What's your perspective, right? You have different. That was, a, that was the first time that I had a conversation with him. Uh, you've known him your entire life. So our perspectives are a little bit different here. Um, tell us how that felt.
0: There are still some surprises. There are still some surprises, yeah. Um, uh, he he's he's really good at telling stories and he just goes, right? so so there wasn't uh, and this is something that we're still navigating, I think, as co-hosts um, as just hosts in general, how to facilitate a conversation. Um, he's entertaining to listen to,
2: mm.
0: so you almost don't want to interrupt that. And I think there was moments where I was kind of playing it safe and almost didn't get into questions around, um, I almost didn't get to the men and crying thing. I almost didn't mm. get to that emotional piece, but we got there. And there were moments in there that were surprising to me um, where I literally said, oh, I didn't know that. And so it was really cool to have almost this now to have this record of moments that were new to me. And of course, all of the moments were new to you, not knowing, you know, not, not, being a child of his.
1: Yeah. How would you describe your relationship with your father?
0: Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that in the past, in my youth, um, especially after his him and my mom's divorce, uh, I had a skewed view of that. I didn't understand... Um, I didn't understand why he would want to break up the family is how I viewed it. Um, and so that was really hard for me and I didn't have a great relationship with him at times when I was young. Um, in my adulthood, I see things a little bit differently and I, and told him that on the show that, you know, I see that you are actually humble Um, which for him he probably already like. that's just who he is Um, there are moments where his reaction to me was just like yeah that's right like that's just what you do that's just who I am that's just how people should be (laughs) but people don't people aren't people people aren't all kind and he knows that too obviously that's why he teaches the self-defense
1: um so so he um two things i think
0: Mm -hmm.
1: the moment at the end where he said you're all of these things just pick one but that's what makes you you so like i've accepted you as your authentic self and i love you for that uh, that was maybe as we were leaving, uh, not not recorded, but I think that yeah. came across during the interview. And then uh, the first piece is around, you know, your relationship with your parents can change as you grow and mature and evolve and learn and grow through life events. Yeah. Uh, as long as you're open to that happening and you can communicate and respect one another. And I think that's an example of what you just described there, right? Like as mm-hmm. you grow have different perspective and understand different things, um, then you can get past some of the other feelings that has happened, um, the times that were difficult, uh, acceptance and forgiveness and all of that, um, you know, feeling and sensing some of that uh, as part of yesterday and as we reflect on that conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, I am deeply grateful for where. I'm at today with my, with my relationship with my dad. It's not, it's not perfect. Um, but I know that he's someone that I can rely on and talk to, um, and that he'll be there when I really need him. And yep. he has been. Yeah.
1: Yep. And he's there when you don't need him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's there and available and accessible. Yeah. 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 Or when you don't need him.
0: Yeah. hmm Yeah, I think that's it.
1: Awesome. Uh good job, Jess.
0: Yeah, you too. Thank you. Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. Today, we're talking with my amazing dad, Kirk Crazy. Carvel. Oh yes. my God.
3: Okay, I'm good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is... I always wonder why
3: girls do that. What does that do? This is I don't know. I don't know. Let's your face breathe. The, yeah. cr- the, cry, the, uh, the crying thing is like... I don't know what it is. <laughs> Jennifer, give me a tissue.
0: Oh, because you're, like, trying to dry your eyes, maybe. Oh, like, so your mascara see,
3: won't yeah. go over the place? No. Yeah, that's what it is. So. That's why I stopped wearing it. It's just too much.
0: So we're already getting really deep okay.
3: here <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> There are specific uh. topics you want to go over.
0: <laughs> yeah, we should probably stick to a plan. There's a plan. Um, okay. There is a plan. Uh, but, yeah. Um, hi. Hi. Hey. Welcome to the show. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> I love you, too. Thank you for
3: inviting me. We're on location. Thank you for inviting me Thanks to my me. house.
1: <laughs> uh, this is our first on location show.
3: So Ooh, we're excited about it. Sweet. That.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that I is got a cool That's space true. down here. Cool. Yeah, so. so of course, Kirk of Kirk Fitness Systems, his logo right here behind us. And we are in my dad's garage, which he has fashioned into a pretty sweet workout space. Yeah.
2: I did so my best. maybe we
0: can start there. Yeah. Let's talk about what inspired you to get into fitness, get into um, personal training, personal fitness training.
3: From way back in the beginning?
0: Yeah, way back in the day.
3: Oh, Don't okay.
0: go too long.
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's why I asked the question. Yeah. Okay, now I see where we're at. Okay, <laughs> So I was born a poor black child in the Bronx. No, I was actually <laughs> born in Virginia. No, uh, anyway, so, so okay, let's get to, to the question about this space which has evolved over the last three, four years since COVID. And actually that was really the inspiration of it. I had a great uh, regimen of getting off of work, changing, going to the gym. Harbor Athletic closed my gym, it still is my gym. And that's what I did almost every day. And then COVID hit. And so it's like, oh, so Walmart was open and liquor stores were open, but gyms were closed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? (laughs) So I had a bunch of equipment at Harbor at the Wellness Center because we taught classes there and so I slowly started moving stuff into here and this slowly evolved into what it is now which uh, it's, a, it's a neat space to uh, do personal training, uh, fitness training, uh, self-defense training. Um, we've done classes in here. Um, so that the only caveat that my wife had was that it still had to be a functional. she still need to get her car in here mm-hmm. so coming up with ways to make sure that that was able to be done but again keep the space clean was you know again you try different things and so that's where we are now that this is even though people come in here they're like wow you know you can get your cars in here yeah actually if, if i needed to i can have both cars in here but mainly it's just especially in bad weather her car fits in here nice with no problems mm-hmm. but uh yeah so it just evolved into that and it was never a commercial venture for me it was just yeah. all right i needed a place to work out and then i had a couple of friends that i wanted to work out and so it was like this is a nice space and over time putting together all the weights that i have and the different equipment i have now um was again it was a labor of love but it was also frustrating because if you were a workout person before covid you knew how much weights cost and you knew they were between 59 to 64 cents a pound mm-hmm. and until you get up to the bigger weights and then when COVID hit after especially after everything was gone right away
2: yeah.
3: um then the price gouging they started it and, it shot up. and the yeah, weight yeah and, and weights yeah. went up to in some cases three dollars a pound yeah. so your two pound dumbbells were ridiculously priced mm-hmm. for one. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait a minute, I know what this stuff used to cost. And so, even though the supplies got better now, it's still, there's a whole generation that is used to paying the higher prices. Mm-hmm. And so, even though supply is not an issue anymore, there's stuff, there's stuff everywhere. Actual weights. Not so much accessory stuff like power racks and things like that, unless you're going into the super brand names and things. But, everything has gotten a little bit better, except for weights. Mm-hmm. They're still around $2 a pound. Right, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's
0: annoying. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking <laughs> too. Cause yeah, I think I have a 20, I think I have up to 20 pounds. yeah, And I wanna get more. Yeah, you can, but
3: yeah, put money aside. Cause I have, like I said, um, one of the things that sort of helped me was um, places like Goodwill. Yeah, And Goodwill at first, had no idea what pricing was so you could get if you found weights they were actually really inexpensive and then somebody must have clued them in because now they're the same thing they're Mm. still at like a dollar and a half two dollars a pound um but like i said it's it's this weird transition of like nobody was getting weights except people who worked out on a regular basis and then mm-hmm. the world closed and everybody's getting weight. So yeah. there was a big, like I said, supply issue at first that's fixed, but still the prices are up here. Yeah. But um, yeah, so for me, the saving grace was places like play it against sports because mm-hmm. you can trade in. So a lot of the older equipment I had, I was able to trade in, get a store credit and get weights. So that's why I have weights up to 95 pound dumbbells and probably about... 800 pounds of free weights and olympic plates and standard plates and stuff like that but it was over time Mm -hmm. it was over time um and it was finding deals and using store credits that played against sports um because to outfit a gym right now like i said especially when i look at the youtube videos of these people that have these amazing garage gyms that have huge garages and have all the rogue stuff and the concept two rowers and I'm like you don't yeah yeah
2: Yeah. and
3: and again that's really cool when and again I get the whole idea of you know paying for quality but for most of us you know the cap power rack that's 120 is is good enough we're not squatting a thousand pounds you know and so it's so I also. When I was searching for stuff, I would put on Facebook periodically when I found something that was yeah, at a decent that. price. Yeah. And actually, Walmart for the longest time held out and had their prices pre-COVID for the longest time until like the probably almost the end of that year or the beginning of next year. Um, they were the, they they stayed true to what the prices were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, like I said, after they ran out of their supply and then when they got new stuff in, the prices went up, too. Yeah. So, so I'm interested oh, in your personal journey, yeah. um, fitness. When yeah. did it start? How did it start? Have you always been interested in it? Yeah. Uh, basically, again, if with my generation because I'm a dinosaur. We grew up in a time when, like, uh, in the Saturday mornings, you got up, you made your bed, you had cereal. And your mom will let you watch cartoons, you know, She never yeah. cartoons, okay, Ooh. oh, man, then there might be Godzilla and Ghidra, okay, I want to watch that. After that, it was like, get out. Yeah. <laughs> go outside, play, come back at lunchtime. But that was our generation. It was like, go outside and play, go outside and play. Um, summer vacations were great. My friend Edward E and I would, you know, have $5, you know, each between us maybe. And one summer, we were in search of the ultimate pinball machine. Again, mm-hmm. I'm a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And so we finally found one in Parkchester. And we walked. So we walked like yeah. eight miles yep, yep. <laughs> to find this bowling alley. You do, I know. Right? Yeah, to find yeah. this bowling alley in Parkchester after going to all these little pizza parlors and having, you know, because back in those days, a slice of pizza in New York was 35 cents and the soda was like 50. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you played play the pinball machines. They were quarter. So we found a bowling alley in Parkchester. And they had all these pinball machines. And in the one side, there it was. The five flipper machine. <laughs> and we were like, Oh, I don't kind of you know everybody has got a you home. And we were like, wow, this is amazing. So they had a flipper here, and then they had the buttons. And you're like, you yeah. know. And again, they're like, oh, this is really fun. But again, because you played as long as you were good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they're like, oh. And again you didn 't have any money, so you, you didn 't play but, but it was the, it was really the quest and actually more than that it was it was the fun of just being with you hanging out with your friend mm-hmm. yeah. there was there was there was none of these there was right. none of these like oh i 'm hanging out with my best friend oh hold it yeah. oh wait a minute right. here 's my girlfriend i 'm hanging out with her oh, I love you babe oh <laughs> that was a good one excellent yeah l o l o l no you didn 't have that it 's like this wasn 't there yeah. if you got a phone call. It was at home. There was no voicemail. So they would have to call you back. Mm-hmm. So the cool thing about it was you could actually enjoy that time. Mm-hmm. We were having a good time together, and we were having that experience together, and it was really fun. Yeah. And so as awesome as these are and the fact that this has more computing power than the computers that sent the, the Apollo missions to the moon is awesome. But at the same time, we lose something. For mm-hmm. Because... We're here. And I'm guilty of that too. I've actually have turned around and come back to the house because I forgot my phone. Why? Because (laughs) Mm -hmm. back in the days when I was closer to your guys' age, I had phone numbers memorized. I had friends that lived out of state. I had their zip codes, all this stuff memorized. And now I know my wife's number. I know my number. I have no idea what your number is, <laughs> but my phone does. Okay, Dad, I don't know your number either. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, and that's and that's the thing. It is. It's like wow. So the phones are smarter, but we're stupider because like it's like well, give us convenience. Like, and that's cool, but ah, uh, you know. So even yeah. just like staying in present
1: mindset. Oh yeah. Like you're not worried about this or who's texting or who cares. Yeah. You're you're, you're with your buddy and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Right? Right? So yeah.
3: here we were teenagers, you know, walking around the Bronx. And you know, just having fun. You know, there was another summer that we, uh, a friend of ours in junior high school, his dad owned a boxing gym, and one summer we boxed. We we walked to the the boxing gym and we boxed and we worked out and stuff. You know, and it was a lot of fun. So again, it was it's generational. Um, we were out and we did stuff. We played. Um, again. Our lives weren't like you know happy days where you know kids had a bike and all this other stuff like that. Cause I didn't have a bike until I was like 15, yeah. and my grandmother bought me a bike. And <laughs> my grandmother was awesome. She was like everything was you know top of the line and stuff. So I was a kid. I never rode a bike, and I was like 15, almost going to run 16, and it was Christmas. And so my grandmother, which we never called grandma, we called her Bernies, came for Christmas with my, basically our third grandfather, Ernest, and she bought a bike. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm thinking bike. I was looking at those little, you know, little Apollo, Ross Apollo bikes that had, you know, maybe five speed or something like that, with the banana seed and all of stuff. I'm like, oh, bike, you know. No, 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 no. Bernice went to Sears <laughs> and bought a Sears Free Spirit, 10 speed, 27 inch pneumatic brakes, Freaking lights, generator, all this other stuff. So the bike was like this high, and I'm going, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so it was wintertime. So my dad was like, he goes, uh, he he goes, okay. So what you do is during the winter, until you know the snow thaws and stuff like that, is you get on the bike every day and you just practice balancing. And I was like, okay. So the bike was by the couch, and this is me every day I practice. <laughs> yeah. them. And finally, I was better at it. So finally, the snow melted, and then I was like, okay, cool. And so I take this big bike in the elevator and then on the elevator, out to the street. And yeah, for the last few months I've been balancing on it in the living room, but this thing is a behemoth. And I'm just like, okay, this is not going to work. And I got on it and I started pedaling. And it was like, it was like this because it was the old. Thing. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm biking. I'm biking. It was awesome. <laughs> then I was like, oh, I need to use the brake. Oh, I need to adjust the brake. Oh, it's not stopping. And so, you know, so that was my adventure with the bike, you know. And um, again, we we did stuff like that, but it was more walking. Like if we wanted to go to a park in our neighborhood, the closest park was like four miles. So my mom would have the stroller, me and my sisters, and we'd walk to the park. Mm -hmm. Um, The Bronx Zoo was kind of close, but it was still probably like two miles mm. so we'd all like the pictures that I posted before at the Bronx Zoo we walked there mm. you know because it didn't cost much it was like 50 cent for adults and like 10 cent for children or something like that right. and it was something that you could do that was inexpensive but it all evolved and actually it all revolved around you using your legs yeah. to get from point A to point B yeah. you know if you need to go further distance you get a you know bus token or you know, a subway token and you can go to Manhattan or wherever you wanted to go but yeah, so as kids, that's what we did. So so, as far as, it wasn't fitness to us. It's just what it you did because you didn't have an option. It was moving. Yeah. It's like yeah. farmers, you know, and that's what's so funny. It's like you have exercises called farmer's walk where you actually have weights mm-hmm. and you walk mm-hmm. like this. Farmers did that for real, yeah. with real stuff. It's like, so they didn't need to make it up. It was like, this is what we did. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, with, with clients, I never... I never vilify food because the first thing they're like, oh, I, don't need, I shouldn't eat sugar and I shouldn't eat fat and I shouldn't eat salt, and I'm like, it's not the food. Again, let's go back to those farmers. Got up in the morning, had six eggs, half a steak, freaking toast, butter, cup of coffee, shot a jack and that, two cigarettes, and went to work.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's not the food, mm-hmm. it's us. It's the fact that now we went from all of this physical stuff, even the kids playing outside, playing with their friends, biking and stuff like this, to this is our job all day. Eight hours, nine hours. And this is our entertainment at night. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's like, it's not we're the not, food. We're not moving. <laughs> yeah. We're so body. it's 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 getting back out there. And, and I've told clients and, and people who have asked me questions about working out stuff like this. I've worked out now in, in gyms and all over the place for over 30 years. And even though I have all of this stuff here... I'm the first one to tell you, you don't need a gym. You just need to move. Mm-hmm. Start with that and make it realistic. Because everybody wants to do... It's like when people come to me and they're like, Oh, well, I want to work out. And I'm like, okay. And when they come in, I'm like, why are you here?
2: Mm-hmm. And the first thing they say is yeah. the
3: same thing that everybody says, Well, I want to lose weight. I want to be a little thinner. And I was like, okay, that's great. But that's not why you're here. What made you today get up and walk into your local gym, your local Y, your local whatever, what, that's what I want to know. And then they're like, but I don't understand. I want to just lose weight. No, that is not why you're here because if that's why you're here, you would have done it a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Why you're here is because you went to the family reunion and your pants didn't fit as well as, and you didn't look as good as everyone else. It's, you're here because it took you three trips to get that 40 pound bag of salt down to the basement to the water softener. You're here because you went to the store and you had to buy another dress size up, another pant size up. You're here because you took a walk with your cousin and you were out of breath after half a block. That is the core emotional reason Mm -hmm. that you got off the couch and said, I need to change enough. That's what I'm looking for. Because what that tells me is how vested you are. Mm -hmm. Because if you come here and say, well, I want to work out because my wife, my girlfriend, my dog, my whatever said I should. I'm going to say just that you try starting with just walking around your block. Why? Because I'm not gonna take your money because you're not vested yet. Yeah. You don't wanna be here. I've seen people do that. Yeah. Where they'll go to the gym because loved ones said, you really need to, or their doctor said, Bill, you're gonna die pretty soon if you don't do something. But they'll go to the gym, have two cigarettes and a, and a donut before they go in, mm-hmm. and then when they get done, come out and have two more cigarettes, and then go off on on their wor- on their on their day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're missing the point. You have to, it's a whole thing. It's not just, oh, I'm going to, the gym is not the magic, it's not a magic bullet. It's it's one of the purest things as far as you put in sweat equity, you will get something back, regardless of what you were looking to get back. You want to get strength, flexibility, whatever. Again, understanding that you have to adjust your workouts to incorporate those different things, Mm -hmm. but there is no downside. There's no downside to us moving more. But, yeah, so it's just generational. I've always done it.
1: Yeah, and at some time it became more serious or became a regular activity. So
3: it became more <clears throat> formalized, I guess yeah. you would say. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, so I joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. And so it, the Marine Corps is an, basically it's an awesome <laughs> uh, club, well, back in the day, club for boys. And all you do is work out. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, you run, like you're running at least three to five miles three times a week you have friends that work out but I didn't work out my first four years in there I mean I did in boot camp a little bit because you know you sort of had to but that was not my thing because we ran all the time and I really wasn't into the working out part I played volleyball and all this other stuff but I wasn't into to work it wasn't until my second tour when I was in Arizona and a friend of mine um actually was, I was thinking it was like three or four of us William Tokel, was I always had that one friend that worked out when he was a kid, you know, and he was, he was, he was a kid that was kind of built and stuff. And, and we were like, yeah, let's, let's get into working out. And so we did, and it was awesome. It was fun, but we did the guy thing. So it was a lot of benching and a lot of curls. And it was like, we didn't really do too many leg things (laughs) and some shoulder stuff because it was cool. And it was fun. But after probably about two months or so, everybody started to drift away. But I was like, this is really cool because you know, it's like, it's cool to get stronger, it's cool to do this, and I started getting more into it, and I really didn't get really into it, meaning that I didn't get my first workout book until I got stationed in Okinawa in Japan, and I went to the PX, which is like basically your convenience store for the military, and I saw the Goals Training Encyclopedia, and it was really neat the way it was broken down, it was broken down into body parts, and each body part, they had like you Know 10 to 15 exercises, and mm. I was like, Oh, sure. so instead of just benching all the time, I can do this, yeah. and I can do this. Yeah. Wow, instead of just doing this so all the time, I can do variety. this, and so there's variety. And then yeah. they explain, you know, the mechanics of it and all this other stuff, and that was really neat. And yeah. then, they, but the and I always tell everyone this I said, and I try to pay this for it. I got the most information and the most tips from people that had been working out for years and saw that I was serious and I wasn't just dicking around. Yeah. And they would come over and say, hey, man, I see you're doing this. You know, try to make this adjustment here and it'll help you do this. And I was like, cool, you know. And I was never like, no, I know what I'm doing. Get away from me. I've ran into that with people because I try to pay that for it, especially when I see young guys like, like college and high school kids in the gym that actually are trying. And just their form is off. You know and so like benching they're doing the uh what i call the, the oh i'm gonna bench and i'm stuck and so the first thing i do is i get rid of my foundation i bring my foot up in the air and i'm doing this kicky thing <laughs> so now I'm, I'm doing this and i'm like you know putting myself at risk for hurting my shoulder and i've seen that a lot of times and i would like come over to go over there and say hey my name is kirk da, da, da. and uh you know i'm a trainer i was like can i just give you a, a, a hint and Actually, the majority of time, especially if they're younger, they're, they're really receptive. And they're like, yeah, man, what do you want to know? And it's really fun because at this age now, and actually even when I was in my 40s, uh, but pretty much I can say that, but I've always done that. If I saw somebody was serious and they just needed a little tweak here and there, again, I don't know everything, but I would go over there, introduce myself and say, hey, would you try this? And because that's how I learned, you yeah. know, and stuff has evolved over this, you know, exercise science, exercise physiology has changed to where exercises that I still see people doing today that 15 years ago now they were like, yeah, doing the lat pull downs behind the back, not really a great idea, just like doing the, not really, you don't, the, the risk versus reward, you're not getting anything more by having it behind your back. Mm-hmm. You know, upright rows, you're not getting anything more, but you put, all of this stuff at risk. And so, again, everybody has to make the choices for themselves and so uh, a lot of times, you know, people have this perception that, oh, workout people, oh, look at those guys, oh, they lift weights, they got Nintendo the dolls, oh, drag knuckles. No, but actually, people that are really serious, there's a lot of science to it. There's a mm-hmm. lot of mechanics to it and there's a lot of form. That's how you keep yourself from getting hurt. Right. Because, by and large, you are still, if you are pushing serious weight, there is... When you get to this age, there, there, is, there is a, there's a pay. There's, there's a bill that has to be paid. So, yeah, there's some aching pains and stuff in, like, here and there. But, again, they are a lot less because you have worked out and, in my case, stretched and all this other stuff. So every issue I've had since 46 turning 46 not the year 46 but since turning 46 you know every doctor that I had to go to they were like oh it's a good thing you work out because because you have the musculature here that's going to help this and you and if I did have an injury or something it was like oh you recover faster because of this again the biggest thing is keep your ego out of it and just listen to the doctor's advice about taking a little break mm. because the worst thing you can tell workout people and I found and also so people true. in the medical field <laughs> in the medical field, yeah. Yeah. The medical field is yeah. Yes. You need to take a break, take a which break. is why oh, we—and I'm including myself in this group—why yep. we go. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna take another Advil. I'll be okay, <laughs> and we don't want to go to the doctor because that doctor is evil, and he or she is gonna tell us, "Well, you know, you really need to have, don't, you know, just do some stretching stuff like that," which is fine with me. Mean, I love to do stretching, but they're like. You're going to need to take a break. No! Really, you know, and it's like, that's what happens. And so that's why people don't do it. And the downside is, especially when you're young and driven by ego and hormones and whatever, you do. And, and again, I do not eliminate myself from that. The, when I see clients or, or just friends about to do something, like, they have an injury and they're like, well, I'm going to do something. I'm like, well, maybe you want to. And they're like, no, no, I'm going to be okay. I'm like, let me tell you a little story. I had a 101 degree temperature and was sore and tired. But it was squat day. It was squat day, and I'm going to squat. God, I'm going to squat because, you know, the, the people are afraid of leg days, and I'm a squat. Is
1: it the mental toughness <laughs> aspect of it?
3: Is it the I don't want to take a break? It's, I, it's, it's, it's the mental – it's, mental toughness is, yeah. is a little bit different. Yeah. This is just mental stupid. Yeah. Okay, this is mental, I'm not gonna stop because I don't wanna stop, and, and you're not looking at it globally. You're not looking at yeah. big picture because yeah. you're 20, you're 30, and you're like, oh, I'll just walk it off, I'll be fine. And so, squat day. I went, I squatted, I leg pressed, I leg extension, leg curls, maybe a few lunges in there. By the end of it, I crawled to the men's room and laid on the cold tile in the fetal position for about 10 minutes yeah. in a public men's room in the gym that's how bad that was okay with a fever, <laughs> with, with yeah. a fever. Yeah. because yeah. I was not going to stop and nobody's going to make me stop so when I talk to people and I talk to clients or friends or, or just you know coworkers and stuff about this stuff I'm, I'm coming from a position of I get it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I did the stupid stuff. You know, I get it. Like all the energy drinks and all this other stuff. And people go, yeah, well, I'll take this C4. Or I'll take this or whatever. I'm like, you know what we did back in the day? Before it was illegal. <laughs> As far, well, before it became, you know, restricted or whatever. We would take, or I'm sorry, I can only speak for myself. And this was after a while. You, you built up your tolerance to this. So on a powerlifting day would take eight 200 milligram caffeine pills along with six 75 milligram ephedrine pills wash that down with a double espresso do you know what happens when you do that much (laughs) stuff and then a couple of aspirin because uh, back in the day they had what's called the um uh, eca stack so it was ephedrine caffeine and aspirin which is usually in the form of willow bark and that helped um that helped elongate the thermogenic effects so it would help you burn body fat. Mm. Uh, the fact that we were 20-some years old was more about that. But anyway, yeah, we, we, we took that too. happened? But <laughs> what happens when you take this cocktail is you get to the gym and you can literally feel in your heart going uh, like this. You're yeah. like, I need to lift something right now or I'm going to explode. <laughs> you know, And so... Uh, The fact that I'm still alive is freaking amazing, amazing. and so that's why when people, you know, said, "Oh, I tried to write five-hour energy, and I only had half the bottle, and I couldn't sleep at night," I'm like, "Really? Yeah, that's cute." (laughs) Or I drink this, or I had this, you know. So Uh like, so all of these these new pre-workout drinks that are different types of stimulants, whether it's with caffeine or something more non-jittery and whatever, epinephrine or whatever, I'm like. Yeah, that's not gonna touch me. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But yeah, again, it's, you do stupid things and different things when you're younger because you're living in that moment, mm-hmm. and 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 it's about you know in those days it was like I want to get big, I want to get big because that's what we did. We were you know, we were all in the in the Arnold cult, and you know, and but it was fun. There was this camaraderie and stuff like that. So you went to the gym and you know they're playing AC/DC and, and the radio it's like, what are you doing today? How are you doing, Tess? I do shoulders. All right. Who's doing legs? Uh, okay. All right. Do legs with you. All right. Let's do chest because that's always fun. And and again, it was just really, really cool. And we weren't worrying about the fact that yeah, maybe I shouldn't have took all those pills. <laughs> it was all legal stuff. I mean, nobody was you know. Again, none of my friends and I, especially when in Arizona, where La Farmacia was only thirty minutes away, where you could get any drug you wanted. You know, for us, it was more about we want to own this.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I want to be able to pick up that 100 pound dumbbell, not because I took two or three illegal pills and two shots in the butt, but it was because I, I owned it. It was mine. Yeah. And so to this day, you know, like I said, and I was just visiting my mom and we were at the gym there and with my sister and my wife and there was a set of dumbbells that were 100 and I was like, okay, it's been a while, let's do this. And it was kind of shaky, mm-hmm. but I did like three or four of them and wow. you know, and it just felt good yeah. to do that. Now, do I do that every time? No. Why? Because my almost 60-year-old body is like, go ahead and do it and see what's going to (laughs) happen. You're going to hate yourself. You are going to regret this, mister. You know? And so that's when you learn as you get older to, and that's the difference. That's why you you don't ego lift because people that are ego lift, and what they mean by that is when you've done that last rep or that, that set, and you're like, okay, I should do another one because oh, my my friend Bill is looking or, oh, that cute girl with the the spandex on is looking. No, that's how you get hurt. Your body, you know, I said, so I've never been a big fan of the no pain, no gain mentality because pain, real pain, okay? And you have to differentiate between uncomfortable because I've never pushed myself this far to owie, owie pain. Aoi yep. owie, owie pain is your body's way of saying, you better stop <laughs> because you're going to be in trouble if you don't. Yeah, that's a tricky balance between yeah. those two though, right? And the thing is, the and the biggest difference on how you figure that out is it comes with time. Um, and I tell people, especially beginners, I said the only difference between a beginner in the workout world and somebody who's been doing it for a while or advancement is the ability to connect this with this. Mm. That is the hardest part because in the beginning – when you were doing especially the large muscle group stuff mind, like
0: mind body. Yeah,
3: chest and back, you're not gonna feel it in your chest and back. Why? Yeah. Because it has to go through your forearms, it has to go through your biceps, tries, front delts, middle delts, and then it gets here. By the time it gets there, your arms are doing all the work. Like the first time I was like starting to go heavier on lat pull downs and I was like, God, my, my biceps are killing me mm-hmm. And my friend who'd been working out for years, he goes stop using your arms and I was like, What? I, what how am I teeth? How do I do this? And he goes, no, what I mean is you need to keep that arch and squeeze your shoulder blades because Mm -hmm. you can take all of this and just do this and it's subtle things like that that make a world of difference but also it's being able to get this to go, yeah, that's what I want to feel and so for me, the most awesome thing with when I work with people, with clients or friends for that matter, is when they fix something all by themselves. When their form is off and then... They're like, they do one or half a rep and they're like, oh, and then they make an adjustment. And I'm yep. like, yes,
2: yeah. you win.
3: Yeah. That's it. So I've always tried to teach in the last 30 years. I teach so that you know it, so that it's mm-hmm. yours, so that you can go anywhere, you know, to, you know, on a trip or whatever, and you go to the hotel fitness center, you know what you're doing, you know why you're doing it, and you know how to do it safe. Mm-hmm. I want it to be yours. Now, from a business standpoint, that's probably stupid because, and I've even asked clients this, like um, a really good friend of mine, Michelle. In Arizona, who was a client for months and months, like a year almost. And at the four month, I was like, Michelle, why are you still giving me money? You know how to do this stuff now. And she was very honest. And I think for most people, this is the case, you know, whether they're CEOs, because I've worked with CEOs and managers and people that were, you know, movers and shakers and all this other cool stuff. And she was like, if you weren't here, I'd be sitting on my couch watching TV.
2: Mm Yeah.
3: And so, she was honest enough with herself to understand that she needed that accountability yeah. mm-hmm. she needed it and yeah. so i was like cool yeah you're playing that role yeah i was like needed, right? yeah. yeah i was yeah. like cool it's like i said because for me and and again this is just mine i've told uh, told my daughter of this actually all of them being a personal trainer is and this is going to sound coney and whatever but being a personal trainer to me was always and still is awesome because the first promise I made to myself is that when this becomes all about money, I'm not going to do it anymore. Because I've seen trainers that it is. And I get that. If you're doing this to pay your bills and all this other sort of stuff, I completely understand that. I'm never going to fault anybody for wanting to pay their bills. And I said, but when it becomes to that point where I'm working out with you and, and you're almost done with your sets and I'm like, and I'm doing this. Okay. Hey, good job. All right. Give me your check. All right. Thank you. See you next week. Next, you know, and then when you sort of lose that actual concern and you're just trying to keep that funnel filled so you can pay your mortgage and pay your car note and pay your groceries and all this other stuff. Once it, once you lose that connection with that person, which is why I know it's not professional. So I'm putting out that disclaimer to the world, but the majority of my clients over the years have become friends They've been over to my house to watch UFC fights and dinner and stuff like that. And again, not all of them. Not all right. of them. We don't all become BFFs and they're on Facebook friends. Oh my God, Jennifer. Yeah. No. <laughs> but because you have spent time with them and you've got to know a little bit about them and their family and their situation and all this other stuff. Yeah. You know, it, again, I, I just feel you owe them everything. And so for me, I've always considered it an honor and I've always considered it like amazing that here are these strangers coming to you with an issue that's very personal and sometimes very embarrassing and they say help me yeah, yeah. and so why aren't you doing everything in your power to help that person mm-hmm. i mean and so for me it's like when they show up i want to be 150 percent all in
2: right i'm there yeah. for them
3: okay yeah. so it doesn't matter if my cat threw up all over the floor it doesn't matter if my dog did this it doesn't matter if i had a uh, fight with my wife. It doesn't matter if I had this. It doesn't matter if I'm worried about that. The only thing that's going to change that, and then I would just cancel it, is if I'm sick because mm-hmm. I don't want to get them sick. But I'm all in, yeah. okay? Because they—that's why they come here, you know. And they can choose to go anywhere else. And now in this day and age, when you know, push, push a button. Okay, what right. exercise do I want to do? Yeah. And that's great. And it's awesome. And it's an awesome resource, you know. Because I still have a library full of books on working out and self-defense and all sort of stuff. But now you can do this and it's a great resource and I, like I said I will look at it to see what's out there mm-hmm. and um, every now and then I'm like oh that's looking at this risk. let me see if I can incorporate that or modify it a little bit or whatever but if they come to you and say hey help me
2: mm-hmm.
3: then why wouldn't you do everything you can yeah. and so the biggest thing I've seen in, in, the, in the trainer world is trainers that you know it's like How dare you question me? For I am thy trainer. You should. And I was like, I never understood Mm -hmm. that. Why are they questioning me? Just Mm -hmm. do it because I said so. And I was like, Mm -hmm. no, I love when they ask questions. I love when people ask questions because it means you're engaged. It means you care. It means that you didn't come in and turn your brain off and go, okay, just tell me what to do. All right, Because that means you're not engaged okay yeah. and so when you're asking questions especially for the legitimate questions and stuff not like how high is up why is the sky blue no but like hey why are we doing this exercise oh this is north bicep this way but then we do this way yeah well oh cool that's a good question because we did that way to hit a little bit different area whatever again those kind of questions show how mm. vested you are into your success yeah. because i see you once twice maybe three times a week right the world outside of my space with you is what's going to be your defining thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: The, the choices you make as far as eating, uh, any kind of cardio you do, any other stretching or flexibility stuff you do, that is the huge stuff. Yeah. That is, that's where you're going to get to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. I'm here to help guide you along that path, keep you safe, push you, make you laugh. You know, You're going to sweat a little bit. You're going to hate me some days. But I only get you for like an hour, half an hour to an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's great. That's great. Again, I'm not discounting the, any time you can put into this, but that is that much of that whole big picture of rest, recovery, nutrition, uh, stress, uh, de-stressing, and all this other stuff. That's a whole bunch of stuff that makes all that happen. And the problem is mm-hmm. like with shows like The Biggest Loser and uh, the, the Bodybuilding magazines and the fitness magazines for that matter is that the shows are great because they show what people can do. But it's context that is always ignored. Damn. I took Jessica out of her normal life and put her on a ranch yeah. with a psychologist, a nutritionist, a personal trainer, and a bunch of the top of the, of the state of the art equipment. And that's all she has to do for eight weeks. She doesn't have to go to work anymore. She right. doesn't have to deal with significant others anymore. She doesn't clean up cat poop anymore. This is all she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, Oh, my goodness, they made progress. The result, yeah. <laughs> I, I would think so. That's amazing. Oh, my God, look at that. They made progress. It's like the, then they had another show called The Swan where they were doing all this plastic surgery and, and, and ch- cutting this and, and liposuction. And I was like, okay, but that, that's not addressing the
0: health issues, really. But okay. Or, so, or possible
3: em- emotional. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. why are you there? You didn't wake up 600 pounds. You didn't.
0: You know.
3: Yeah. Hi. Hi. I, I like your passion for, for what yes. you do. I love it. Like I like can said, feel it. And, <laughs> I. It yeah. is one of those things that you know anybody that I've ever worked with, or whether it's in the realm of fitness or the realm of self defense, or actually just anything. I also teach American Heart Association CPR and, and AED. I love it because for me, teaching the CPR aspect of, of what I teach is a balance. Because again, when you teach the self defense part of it teaching people how to protect themselves by hurting other people basically it's like you also need to know how to help Mm -hmm. you know and that's much Mm -hmm. harder actually Mm -hmm. the question the the classes that i've taught where people have actually had to give cpr to someone else the look on their face when they relive that story and i was like wow that's really hard especially if it's a loved one that's really really hard you know and i said the training stuff is hard in a different way but it's for you Going out there and putting yourself out there to try to help someone else survive a heart attack or whatever, you know, whether it's first aid or whatever, that's completely just you trying to be a good person. Yeah. You know, there's no reward for it. They don't give you trophies for it. You know, it's like you just tried to help. Mm -hmm. And so, teaching people how to do that, even though in the 15, 16 years I've been teaching it, The closest thing, the first aid I had to give was an improvised sling for uh, a teenager in our class that doing Taekwondo tried to throw me and we kept telling her, don't put your hand down and we practiced it and she was doing great and we did it live and she put her hand down and broke her wrist. So we had to do that and then another time when the smaller little kid was sparring and he got a bloody nose. So I mean, that was it. And. I'm completely fine with that's all I had to actually do in real life mm-hmm. because everyone that I have taught every class that I've taught where generally there's one or two people that had to do something serious it's like wow I'm hey you got my respect you know and then I always tell people I said you know all every one of these people said it was really scary mm-hmm. so accept that fact embrace yeah. that fact yeah, yeah. it's going to be scary and I don't want to curse on your thing here but you uh, oh because you're going to have Oh, shit moments. <laughs> Embrace that oh, shit moment. Take a deep breath and go, okay, I'm going to do the best I can. Because, again, when we're talking about heart attacks and, and cardiac arrest and stuff, basically, and I, and I tell every class this when I teach CPR, because they're like, what if I break a rib? What if I do this? What if I do this? I'm like, okay, this is the deal. <laughs> if you hear a loud noise, stop really quick. Check your hand placement. If it's right, keep going. Why? Because broken bones heal. Bruises heal. But you know what? This is the reality of what's going on. If this person is not breathing, if their heart is not beating, they are technically dead. So short of setting them on fire, you are not going to make this any worse. Mm -hmm. All you're trying to do is keep that oxygenated blood going to their brain. You're just trying to keep this alive until the EMTs get there, who are just a better trained, a better equipped version of you, until they get them to a hospital, which is ultimately where they need to be. That if there's going to be any positive result it's going to be there okay so again the idea is just try Mm -hmm. just like in the fitness realm i don't accept the word can't you can say fuck you i'm not going to do it today nope you're crazy uh any other combination of that Mm -hmm. but i don't accept can't why Mm -hmm. because it puts that roadblock in your head Mm -hmm. and people already have enough garbage there to begin with Mm -hmm. and so if i say hey jess i want you to try this I have a 95% belief that you can do it based on everything I've seen and how long we've worked together. Mm -hmm. I just need you to believe in yourself 5%. That's all. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all I need you to do is just believe in yourself. And this is the cool part. Even if you fail, the biggest thing that you've got out of it is that you demystified it. Mm -hmm. Because I've worked with hundreds of people over the last 30 years and whenever they're about to do something big that they haven't done before and they're like... They will initially just tell me, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, well, how do you know? Have have you ever tried it? No, I just just can't do it. Well, how do you know? And so I'll say, well, let's try it. And I'll spot them. And if they make it, they're like, oh, oh my God, I did it. I'm like, okay, do one more. Oh, wow, I really did it. And I was like, yeah. Again, have faith in yourself. Mm -hmm. If they don't make it, they're like, wow, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was yep. going to be. Yep. I tried to. I tried. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, now you yeah. see, that's why perception is way out of whack with reality. Yeah. The same thing with, with self-defense or, or, or uh, a threat. It's like, I was never the biggest guy in nightclub I worked in in Arizona. Never was, okay? It was guys this big and this big and this big. So, of course, that meant that whenever somebody was being a knucklehead, it was like okay that guy's too big i'm gonna test that guy and i'm like oh man here we go (laughs) and so i would always be the one tested and after that year again not because i'm a superman or badass or whatever but because i was very efficient and pragmatic about what i did it was very hands-on it was very effective and after that first year the bigger bouncers would point to me and say yeah, don't make me call him over here. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, I've seen him take people out before. It's not pretty. Yeah. You know? And again, it's not because I'm, I'm a superman. And this is way before I took any formal martial art class. This was all four and a half years of learning on the fly, of dealing mm-hmm. with. And, and to give you context, this is the bar I was working at. It was the largest bar in a Marine Corps town, because the base was right there, with Yuma Proving Grounds 20 miles down the road. So everybody was in shape. Everybody could fight. So it wasn't like you were dealing with, you know, just, you know, civilian slobs that were like, uh, yeah. it was people that knew how to fight. And so, and again, this is back also in the days before everybody and their grandmother wanted to pull out a gun or a knife on you. Um, and it was, it was more, it was more this, you know, even growing up in the Bronx, um, it was more of this, even among the gangs and stuff that were out there yeah, there was knives and some guns here and there, but really you got your credibility being able to do this. And so that's, again, we've evolved away from that to where now any any 12-year-old with a handgun is a danger. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the crappy part.
0: Whew, okay. That's a
3: lot, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> now I've got to figure out where we want to go because um, that is a lot, and <laughs> and it's all really good. it's like
1: it's what you're passionate about obviously Mm -hmm. and and what you love talking about and what you can share with us and share with others
3: and again it's this thing I've been doing for years and
1: again like I said
3: uh, being able to teach is to me awesome it's like if you learn something to be able to share it with someone to me is the goal Yeah.
0: Mm. so a couple of thoughts that I had. well one thought that I had in particular is this idea of caring about other people because I I'm trying to think of how to form this question but and then also mindset I'm thinking about so many different things maybe let's just take a deep breath let me let me look at the (laughs)
3: center yourself young Padawan (laughs) (laughs)
0: let's wow okay I guess maybe this seems like a really simple question, but, um, or a silly question, I'm not sure, Um, but why do you care so much? Because I think that's something that I... hmm. So growing up, or maybe it's just a natural thing, Mm -hmm. Um, growing up, I always saw you, of course, as like, you're the authority figure, and I was a
3: bad guy. The <laughs> no, and you know it. No, you played it and you knew it. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah.
0: you're the one. That, you. That's like, oh, you know, mom, be like, wait until dad, dad comes, comes home, home. and yeah. that kind of thing. And so, I think it wasn't until like we started having more conversations mm-hmm. in my adulthood where I saw, I saw more of your humility Mm -hmm. like i don't think that i recognized how humble you actually are Mm -hmm. so maybe you can talk about if you even know or if it's just a natural thing again maybe where that comes from if there's some if there's let's go to the question about the qualities of your parents Mm -hmm. of your father and mother Mm -hmm. my grandma and grandpa yeah um, maybe we can talk about maybe what you saw in them that you have brought into your life or that has stuck in your head that makes you um, care so deeply and still also keeps you humble enough to stay curious and accept feedback and mm-hmm. that, yeah.
3: Okay, basically that's, that's actually a really good question. It's an easy one. Um, and I used to tell people this all the time. I said, <laughs> especially as a young adult, I said, my dad taught me how to be a man in the traditional sense of you know men don't cry and all sort of stuff that you know is now considered toxic. But anyway, my dad taught me how to be a man. My mom taught me how to be a human. Okay, mm. my mom to this day at 80 is still one of the most compassionate, caring, loving beings on the planet. Okay, she would do stuff when I was a kid that drove me crazy, uh, like. She, so we lived in the Bronx, and the only apartment building on this block was single-family homes and duplexes and stuff like that. And so my mom, you know, I would come down, because I would go shopping with her, help her, you know, carry the groceries back, because I was the oldest. And my mom would get downstairs, and there's garbage. There's garbage, like, in, on the curb or something like that. And she would get down there, and she would bend down and pick it up. I'm like, Mom,
2: don't pick it
3: up. Oh, because I was a kid and back in those days. Oh, garbage picker, garbage picker. And then I was like, you know, and she goes, no, this is our home. And Mm -hmm. even though, and again, I think that's the difference Mm -hmm. is that even though it's an apartment building full of other people, she was still vested in the fact that this is where we live and we should, and we have a, we have an obligation to help take care of it. Okay. So that's why you never saw us as kids. We weren't breaking anything. We weren't just doing graffiti on the walls and all this other stuff that we saw. And so that's my mom. My dad was a little bit more complex situation. I'm not going to get into all the details, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of contradictions. So he sh- told me a lot of cool stuff and a lot of good value stuff, but then a lot of times he didn't always follow that. Sure. You know? And so it was like sort of one of those sort of do as I say, not as, as, as I do, but he would use the Bible as like different parables from the Bible as lessons. Mm-hmm. And some of them were really cool. Like one, And actually I just told a friend about this one uh, the other day you know and we were talking about courage and i said my dad used to say all the time like he quoted the bible and he goes the brave man oh no the coward dies a thousand deaths the brave man but one because if you're always afraid, those are like little deaths, you know, if you're afraid of everything, afraid of taking a chance, afraid of, afraid of going over there, afraid of asking the girl, you know, for out, uh, afraid of, you know, you know, taking that in, you know, that, that car and saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this one. Yeah, it's going to be good. But, you know, I really want that, you know. And again, it's that, that fear that stymies a lot of people from doing anything. For sure. And so that one I always remembered. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. And because ultimately, especially when I started getting into the security field and stuff like this, and unfortunately in this field, there's a lot of people that it's a job. And I get that part. I totally get that part. But to me, once again, it's like being a trainer. If someone says, hey, Kirk, I'm going to give you X amount of dollars, and I'm going to test you and give you the responsibility of keeping these people safe and keeping this property safe, that's a big deal. That's not, hey, Kirk, you're going to work the fryer today at McDonald's and stuff. And again, I'm not putting down that job at all. But again, it's different. It's a different thing. Just like joining the military. It wasn't for everybody. Mm -hmm. Because essentially, you don't get to do what you want to do when you want to do it. You don't get to wear what you want to wear when you want to wear it. And I think that growing up, like I said, being the oldest and having the responsibility of taking care of my sisters, and so being somewhat protective in that, because I was the oldest. What did that mean? That meant that when my sister started going to school, assessing my sister after me, if she had some issues, I was the big brother. All my friends had big brothers or big sisters. So any kind of fight or anything like that, it was just me. So you just learn to deal, right? And, uh, and that's what I did. And uh, again, so I wasn't like some big tough guy or whatever in school, but yeah, I had some issues and I didn't have any backup. (laughs) So, so I, you know, so I learned to be a little bit more self-reliant in that sense. Mm. Um, But yeah, so, but the one thing that both of my parents, actually every adult in my world, my grandparents, um, their significant others, every single one of the adults in my world all worked. Mm. They all worked, they all worked hard. And they all provided for their families. They paid their bills. So all the basic stuff that that's why it's like it's it's crazy now that I see this this problem with staffing like nobody wants to work anymore. I I don't understand that. Or when I meet young guys who are completely healthy and they're still living with mom at 30 years old and they have no aspirations, goals, dreams to do anything other than game all day. You know, and I get it nowadays. You can actually make make money at gaming. Because actually, when the first time I met a guy who told me, he goes, yeah, I made $9,000 last year gaming. And I'm like, doing what? He goes, gaming. (laughs) Because I was helping him move and he had a laptop on and it was a game playing. And I was like, are you playing this? And he goes, oh, no, I'm just watching that. He goes, oh, this guy's really good. He's got sponsorship and he's like makes six figures. I'm like, doing what? That playing play play the game,
2: yeah. and I was like, "That's crazy!" Yeah.
3: But that's the world we live in now, and so you have so many people that want to be you, you know YouTube influencers and, and and stream this and do that and all this sort of stuff, and that's great. That's really great, like I said. But because of that, now it's like people just getting down and dirty and just working a job is like that's why everything staffing at the hospital is ridiculous. Staffing anywhere, everybody's hiring because. Nah, I'd rather do this. Hi, my name is, I identify as a pineapple. Hey, follow me every day.
0: I wonder, though, if some of it is a shift in priority, right? Like, not not working, um, but maybe there's just certain jobs that people want to... Do something like they want to do something else with their lives right? rather than some of those so
1: they're not uh, finding fulfillment yeah this, this isn't a yes. job i'm I, I don't think i'll like it or it's going to
3: be hard or like yeah, reason it's not of why
0: necessarily about this oh this is going to be work but maybe there's a different type of work that people are are looking for right
3: and and, and again that's cool as long as you're doing something yeah. you know that that's the whole thing it's like again i i, I think that you know, we all have our niches, we all have our things, but do something. It's yeah. like I, I told you yeah. guys, I, I, I told them when they were little, I said, you know, younger I should say, I was like, I don't care what it is that you find, but go out in the world and, and, and seek the thing that motivates you, Yeah, you might that, not that you have a drive for, a passion. Yeah. So yeah. that's why you have to try different things. Mm-hmm. See what's out there that all of a sudden that you just connect with like, Wow, this is, this is amazing. I wanna do this. And not only do I wanna do this, but I wanna teach this. Because that, that's how working out was for me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, I fell in love with it because, again, it was a simple exchange of, of sweat for results. And I was like, this is really cool. And as I got more into it and more into the, you know, reading about it and all this other stuff, again, I was like, wow. And then when you become the gym guy, you know people see you and they're like hey you know so I started helping people because they would come to me and like hey what is this and, I, and basically I was just giving them the information that I had gotten from a book or from other people and stuff like that and always try to make sure that I stayed on top of what was relevant okay because again exercise physiologists you know have you know deem this exercise is not safe because there's impingements on this or that or whatever and so it's always changing and so I never wanted to give people the wrong information and that's why if you ask me a question I'm not gonna go. Well, I'm a trainer. I I don't want to seem like I don't know. So I'm gonna just bullshit you and tell you something stupid. I was like, no. The first thing I would say is, I'm not really sure. I said, but uh, if you do this or whatever. And actually, now the cool thing is, I I can always refer them to this. I'm like, Mm -hmm. hey, Google that because right now you can pull up. If you like, uh, I always make sure that people understand. I'm not a physical therapist, Mm
2: -hmm. not a physical therapist. If
3: you come to me with your exercises given to you by your physical therapist, I can help you do them, Mm -hmm. but that's not my realm, okay? Um, And so when people do come up to me and say, well, I wanna stretch this or my IT bands or whatever, I'm like, IT band stretches. Mm -hmm. Page after page after page after page will come up from Physical therapists, from exercise, you know, uh, fitness trainers, from athletic trainers, and show you in great detail in 5G <laughs> what the exercise should look like and what you should be doing. Yeah. So you can get at least the mechanics down. The thing about having a trainer, a physical person there, is that even though this is awesome and, and it's a great resource, you don't have that that years of experience that that tactical that tactical um feedback so if you're doing a tricep press down wrong Mm -hmm. i can go hey jess i need you to just shift your weight forward this way Mm -hmm. and this is where you want to be feeling it at you want to feel it right here keep your elbows in and Mm -hmm. squeeze down okay you don't get that Mm -hmm. you get you get somebody doing that but sometimes it helps when you have that 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 touch Uh, yeah you know just a little touch And again, you're not groping them and anything like that. And again, that's why it's like really, again, the world has changed so much. But, you know, and I always tell people, I said, I'm really touchy-feely, okay? If you feel uncomfortable with anything I'm doing, just say so, okay? I'm not good with passive-aggressiveness, okay? I don't want to find out two days later from a third party that, and then Kurt took my tricep and I don't know what to do. You know, it's like, just if you don't feel cool with that, tell me and we'll work around it. I'll get... A, a dumbbell or a stick or something, and go. Okay, <laughs> put your arm like this. You tell them that, and
1: you make it safe. Right? Yeah. that's yeah. part. Yeah. Of, that's part. Oh, of the exactly. Right. right. Yeah.
3: Because yeah. the whole the, mm-hmm. that is the biggest part. And actually, that's awesome. Um, the bigger, the biggest part of this relationship with your client is they have to feel safe. Yeah. They have to feel like you're not gonna judge them, okay? Mm-hmm. The, the whole premise behind Planet Fitness is the no intimidation zone and no blah 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 zone. Okay. And the first thing that I learned when I became a personal trainer and got my certification, and, you know, cause you go in there with your stuff, okay? And so I like see so you like, whoa, dude, you're like come and say, hey, I just wanna lose a couple of pounds and, you know, just get a new workout routine. I'm like, no, no, you can be a bodybuilder. Look at your structure, got your it. symmetry. You should be doing this and lift 500 pounds. <laughs> You have to get that crap out of your head. Oh. I'm not here for me yeah. and my idea of what you should do. Yeah. I'm here because you said, this is what I want to do. And I want you to help me. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. And so that was like the biggest thing. Cause you're like, oh man, this guy can do this. Or this girl can do this. And then you realize it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Why did you do this? Yeah. You did this because you want to help, help them get to get where it. they got to, that they got, they want to get to. And the reason you fell in love with it was for that reason, because you were able to do what you wanted to do with it. Nobody came along and said, well, Kirk, you know what? I know you've been doing that powerlifting stuff, and then you transitioned to the bodybuilding stuff, but you know what? You should just skip rope. You should just skip rope every day. That's all you need to do. That's why it works for me. Mm-hmm. You know? No, that never happened. Okay? So... That was the first thing you need to get rid of as a trainer is get rid of your, basically, your stuff. It's about them. Yeah. It's about them. And like I said, and once they feel safe enough to basically let you in, meaning that they, and it's just like when I ask the first question I ask when people come in is, how are you doing today? It's not some bullshit, you know, this is what we do. It is a legit question for me yeah. because I'm going to say, hey, how are you doing today? And you're going to say... the. I'm okay, but I'm going to look at your body language because I've been working with you for a month or so, and I'm like, okay, dude, what's going on? And you're like, oh, and I stayed up late last night. Okay, so does anything hurt? So we can, we can cut the workout down to 30 right. minutes, just hit whatever the priority stuff is today, okay? Or, and, and I've done this before, I'm like, because I will tell people all the time, I say, give it, if you're sort of, eh, give it 15 minutes. After 15 minutes of doing stuff, if you don't feel it, go home. I don't want your money. You did not done, done anything but go home yeah, because you're just not there. That sets the expectation, yeah. show up. Yeah, you're just not yeah. there. Yeah. So again, you have to have an out on those days because when you don't have an out and you just, because I've seen the downside of people that fall in love and become passionate with running or working out where they'll just do it to excess. Mm-hmm. to, again, anything too much is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing is like, you know, especially if, if you're gleaning all your information from Muscle and Fitness or Flex magazines, which I absolutely love, but again, you have to take it in context. You know, oh, this bodybuilder does this, and he does 5,000 pounds, and, does, and then the next day he does this. And it's like, yeah, but by and large, they're better bodies through chemistry, and one of the cool things about steroids is that it helps you recover faster so you can do 5 million pounds the next day. Regular people, not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you have to keep that kind of stuff in context. And so, listening to, so literally listening to your body is important. And and having somebody that, especially if they're guiding you with that, to be able to read that. I had a, mm-hmm. a, a lady in um, Arizona that was training. She was on the, on the, she was warming up on this, on the Swin Aerodyne bike. And I'm watching her and her right knee, every time she pressed down, she would sort of. <laughs> i'm like stop she goes what i said what's going on oh i'm fine i'm like no you're not because you're doing this thing What what's that about <laughs> well i tripped the other day and i'm like you need to tell me this stuff and again yeah. i understand it people yeah. want to be tough you know they, they're like well i'm working out right. and you know kirk's here and i'm like no that's absolutely fine mm-hmm. if you need to go home or if you need to give your this injury some more rest then do that mm-hmm. you know or or if your doc said it's okay, then we'll bypass this stuff. We'll just have you do stuff seated that you can do curls and you know tricep stuff seated and we'll keep the pressure off of this. I said, but I need you to be truthful with me because I don't want you to get hurt. My one rule yeah. in here, like mm-hmm. when I teach self-defense, and Jessica's heard this, the only person allowed to get hurt is me. Okay, that's it. Because mm-hmm. then it's on me. All right? But no, the whole reason you're here is to, to, is to be better, to feel better, to mentally... Underst- you know get stronger because you're like wow because every day you come in you're like wow i did that i did that i yeah. did that the coolest thing especially with women and, and working with them is that you watch this transition through their clothing they first start it's the baggy gray sweats and the gragy this and the or the big t-shirts that's covering everything and then they go along they feel a little bit better about themselves and it's totally about this mm-hmm. and okay it's a t-shirt that's not 500 sizes too big it's maybe a pair of shorts and again, it's just, it is a physical manifestation of how they're feeling about themselves. Right. And that is the coolest thing about being a trainer. Right. To watch people make that those transitions, and it's like, it's, the, it's awesome. Yeah. It is absolutely awesome when you see that. And to be part of that is amazing. And I've had clients thank me for this, that, and the other stuff, give me gifts and little, little things. Mm-hmm. One, uh, Jane Grant from uh, Nina... Mm-hmm. She uh, gave me, before I left to come to Madison, she gave me a little card holder, business card holder, and she said, thanks for the muscles. Mm. And I was like, that's, I said, yeah, I was just there. I said, yeah. I just, I was just there. You did the work. Yeah. And and so it's like cool stuff like that. And to be part of that for them is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome. And again, I know in this day and ages where everything's about me, 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 and all sort of the stuff. And that's why, like I said, I was a little hesitant to put some of the stuff that I do here on, on Facebook and stuff. But... Every time I do, I get friends that I haven't seen for years that are, you know in different states and stuff. When I was in record, that's like, "Hey, man, I love your stuff. Yeah. It's inspiring and all sort of yeah. stuff." And I was yeah. like, "Okay, cool." And I always make sure that my clients are okay with it being put online too, right. um, because again, it's it's not about commercializing this at all. Everyone that I work with is word of mouth or mm-hmm. friends of friends or family or or family members or friends or something like that. And mm-hmm. I love doing it because. Again, it's almost like a calling to me. Yeah. As, again, as, as, it may sound stupid or counting, it, especially nowadays. But it's like I love teaching.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: When I teach CPR, I love teaching. I love the fact that these people have come here. Some, most of the time it's because of job related. They have to. But when people come because they want to be able to do something. When right. they're at that Denny's and the person in the next booth goes down, and everybody else is freaking out they're like okay hey you call i want to get an ad and they go and do their assessment and start trying to help yeah because all you're doing is trying to help yeah and so teaching that and being able to teach that is awesome mm-hmm. you know it's like why else are we here if we're not here to help each other mm-hmm.